the Monday Rewind. Hedlund heading towards goal. John Hedlund through at three. John Hedlund buries it into the corner. And Westmead are going to beat their neighbours for the first time in the history of the Leicester Football Championship. Very, very young team and uh, look, when, when you have a record like that at some stage we're always going to get beaten, you know. And we threw caution for the win and we went at them and I think we finished very strong fitness-wise too, you know. What have we to fear? Would they won't be fearing them? That's the question. They wouldn't be fearing any of, any of those counties, so why should Wexford? Look, it's a massive day for Wexford football. I'm very proud. Hopefully then we can move forward. Those guys, those players, they know what it takes because they've been there and uh, they've lost the games in the past and uh, they've come through the qualifiers. You know, I think the Irish probably need to get behind boxing and support them more because the resources that we are against, the likes of Azerbaijan, with all the millions and billions to two at this, with the, with the oil rich country and, and the US and Russia as well, the resources they have, you know, with 145 million people, the Herzog with 4 million people, you know, that, that can compete with them, you know. If we had the resources that these guys have, I think we'd blow them all away. We'd be the best team in the world. This is the Rewind Out Machine Langan and in there you heard from West Meath manager Tom Cribbett on their win over Meath, Kildare's Jason Ryan on the heavy loss to Dublin, Wexford manager David Power on their victory against Down and Irish boxing coach Billy Walsh on two gold medals for Ireland at the European Games in Baku. Coming up we preview next week's Leinster hurling final between Kilkenny and Galway as well as the qualifiers featuring Wexford and Cork, Leash in Dublin and Clare against Offaly. We'll be joined by former All-Ireland winner with the Cats, Michael Walsh, who'll also talk to us about Westmeath against Limerick because he's actually involved in the Westmeath coaching setup. As well as all that, we'll have Tyrone's Mickey Hart on a hard-fought win over Limerick in Oma. And we'll take a look at next week's Munster football final between Kerry and Cork with Kingdom legend Weeshi Fogarty. We'll also have more on Ireland's boxers in Baku. Now, before we get to reaction from the weekend, let's take a quick look at the Round 2B football qualifier draw, which has taken place. Derry will host Wexford at uh, Celtic Park. Wexford, of course, beating down over the weekend. Tyrone take on Meath and Oma. Meath losing to Westmead. Tipperary hosts Offaly. Tip losing to Kerry in the Munster semi-final. They a win against Waterford earlier in the season. Armagh host Galway at the Athletic Grounds. Galway losing out to Mayo in the Connacht semi-final. Armagh beating Wicklow at the weekend. Before that, they lost heavily against Donegal in the Ulster Championship. Those games will take place the weekend after next. First though on the rewind, we go to Crow Park where Westmeath earned a first ever championship win over Meath. It was their 23rd attempt at the neighbours. We'll hear shortly from Westmeath boss Tom Cribben and centre back come star forward Kieran Martin on how they turned it around. We'll also hear from a very disappointed Meath boss Mick O'Dowd. First though, it's the off the wall commentary team of Colin Parkinson and Dave McIntyre. The whistle has been blown. The full time whistle and Westmeath have made history. They've beaten Meath at the 23rd attempt after the most incredible turnaround. What a wonderful win. 319 to 218, one of the greatest victories we've seen in the provincial football championships for many years. I'm here with Tom Cribben now. Jesus, Tom, I don't know where to start. How do you sum <laughs> that up? I don't know, miracle stuff, Colin. Um, I just a very good young team and a uh, huge belief. And whatever it is, we start, we finish really strong in all our games. So we had this huge belief that. Uh, we could finish really strong and probably it's getting into your head that you know so now, we have to talk about the first half first I don't want to you know put a downer on it but it was, what happened like it was awful stuff altogether like it was a real game of two halves you were completely off the pace Kevin yeah. Martin not following Harren you know him yeah. running amok ah look it, it was nightmare stuff I, I, I think it was probably the intensity me brought it there was a lot of passion there 
had a really very tough week and the players really showed that and we got it hard to get the grips with it and we fell a little bit apart Kieran got a goal to get us stabilised we kicked a few nice points and we're within touching distance and that gave us the belief that we knew we scored 1-9 in 7 minutes last week so we knew we could come back you know yeah. come here just one <laughs> final question before you go after the league you're very critical of your players we were talking about it off the ball a lot of people thought that might have been a mistake but as it turns out hindsight tells us it certainly gave them the kick in the arse maybe that they needed well it's if you look at it now all that's left in the provincial finals is uh, at the moment one division x division two team yeah. that's westmead that's why we knew i wasn't critical i was as much as myself as i was at them we knew we didn't perform we're the only team now in a division three team at the moment and all the others are division ones that are left in the provincial yeah. finals that's why we were disappointed and i was you know me i speak from the heart you the do, whole time unfortunately you know but uh you know Congratulations on the result. So we're disappointed with that, you know, to be in such a commanding position, playing su- such good football. I, I, I don't know whether that's maybe the overall maturity of the team, you know, but Westmead are a young team anyway, but they they just went for it with kind of abandon in the second half and uh, in fairness, a couple of guys got, got key scores for them at key times, you know. Quick turn here maybe from Kieran Martin. Oh, he's put it through the legs of Paddy O'Rourke. And it is a goal for Westmead. It's another goal for the centre-half back. Kieran, we were seriously questioning your role in the first 15 minutes of that game. It just seemed that your position in that centre-half, it just wasn't working out. What a way to end the game. Arnaby's man of the match with 2-2 from play. It's just astonishing. Look, um, first half, we went out with a game plan. Probably Crow Park didn't suit that game plan. Um, it's a big pitch, it's hard to cover space. If you're standing on one side, there's a huge, still a huge amount of space over that side. But we just needed to get to half time, uh, regroup, find out what we were doing wrong. Lads started to panic. But look, we got to half time, we knew coming out, if we got the first few scores, that we were well back into it. This isn't only for us, it's for the whole of Westmead. You've seen the fans out there, how much it meant to them. If, if they could get out on the pitch, I say we'd still be on it, so we wouldn't get us off. But look, We'll, we'll take today as it comes. We still have hard work to do. And this Leinster final will be the next step up and we'll do whatever we can within the next two weeks to do it. This is the Rewind on News Talk and that was Kieran Martin and Tom Cribben of Westmeath and Mees manager Mick O'Dowd following yesterday's dramatic clash in Crow Park. So, after a surprise in the first match, could we expect one in the second? No was the answer. Dublin making it 10 Leinster finals in 11 years with a 5-18 to 14 points win over Kildare. The Lilywhites face Offaly in Tullamore next Saturday in the qualifiers and their manager Jason Ryan says they had to learn quickly from the defeat ahead of next Saturday's game. It's very disappointed that um, <clears throat> I suppose Dublin winning the game maybe isn't a huge surprise to, to anybody um, but uh, the you know, you have a Division 3 team next year playing against the team that won Division 1 this year, so it's um, it was a big ask, but we're, I suppose we're, we felt that we were competitive for different periods during the course of the game, but it was maintaining that, and it was, um, we let ourselves down probably with some of our decisions on the ball, some of our shot selection, and um, probably not dealing with some of the dangerous runners that Dublin have, and, um, you know, yeah, we've, we, we live to tell the tale in that we're, we're back out again on Saturday. Yeah goes two ways that one you, you totally change a game plan that has worked and whatnot and uh, you um, you know if, if the game is gone um, you know with 15 10 15 minutes to go that it's a real uh, the hill is too 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 uh, steep to climb um, do you then practice something for your next game or what do you do so like it's a, it's a, it's it's a tough kind of decision for ourselves and um, 
we tried a number of different things and um, it's hard to say when you're so far behind whether any of them worked at any stage um, so that's that's kind of hard to take and then, then sometimes when you try a game plan is it a game plan that doesn't work or is it you know, is it a case of um, team selection, or is it a case of individual mistakes, or is it a case of you know inappropriate players in certain positions? So it's kind of hard to kind of figure that one out, and um, you know, but that's something that that we'll have to reflect on over the next couple of days, and we don't have much time to kind of do that. Mm. Just have to get back at it as quick as possible. Unfortunately, you've got experience in this situation, Jason, and you've also got experience of picking teams up from big beatings and leading them to uh, some wonderful victories. And I'm obviously thinking of Wexford seven years ago now, so you you do know what it takes to drag a team off the floor. Yeah, but I'd say even more importantly, those guys, those players, they know what it takes because they've been there and um, they've lost the games in the past and uh, they've come through the qualifiers. So you've... Um, not as many maybe as we would have had a couple of years ago, but you've still quite a few players there that have gotten as far as all Ireland quarterfinals and and won all Ireland semi final through the qualifiers. So um, we you know we'll we'll embrace the challenge and um, we're looking forward to training during the weekend and getting back at it. That um, everybody involved, you, you love playing football, and we're very very lucky to be involved in intercounty teams, and we just have to embrace it now over the next few days and and get ready for for Saturday night. This is the rewind on News Talk, and that was Kildare manager Jason Ryan speaking to Dave McIntyre after this. Their defeat to Dublin. They're up against Offaly next Saturday in the qualifiers. Now, still to come, former Westmeath and Offaly player PJ Ward on a great win for the Maroons and next week's qualifiers. But first, Wexford manager David Power on their win over Down in Innovate Wexford Park, two sixteen to two eleven, the final score. After the match, Power spoke to Southeast Radio. I knew there was a performance in us. I can't, I'm not going to lie. Once we got a performance, I couldn't guarantee anyone a win, but I knew there was a big performance in us, and I think there'll be another big performances again. I thought the likes of Graham Malloy was just outstanding. His Immense is the word. Yeah, he's experiencing Nevin Rossler, Kieran Butler, Simon. You could go down to all the young for the Silburn. Um, I thought it was just oh, Nolan when he came on. Um, Michael O'Regan, uh, as we mentioned, Kieran Ling, uh, Ben Brosnan, which I'm delighted for because things didn't go well for him against Westmead, but he really upped his performance tonight. And um, you know, look, they were just simply incredible and. I'm just relieved, I'm happy, I'm happy for the players because they've put in a huge amount of work and now we're playing football in July and that's what, look, at the end of the day, that's what, that, that you want to be playing in July and August and if you're playing in July and August, you know you're, you're definitely going in the right direction. So it's just, look, it's a, it's a huge achievement but we shouldn't get carried away with it because, look, we, we have another game in two weeks and don't be happy with tonight. That's the big message now coming out of tonight. Don't be happy. Drive on and whoever we get. That either typical way, Westmead or Mead or Derry. Derry. What have we to fear? Would they won't be fearing them? That's the question. They wouldn't be fearing any of, any of those counties. So why should Wexford? I suppose the big thing I'd be looking for is a home draw. If we got another home draw, it'd be huge. And the crowd would be behind us. And Look, it's a massive day for Wexford football. I'm very proud. Hopefully now we can move forward. This is the Rewind on News Talk and that was Wexford manager David Power on their win over down in the qualifiers. Up next for them are Derry away the week after next or the weekend after next I should say. Still to come Wishy Fogarty on next Sunday's Munster final which is live on Off the Ball and PJ Ward on Westmead's win and next weekend's football qualifiers. But first Tyrone and Donegal had wins over the weekend. Donegal reached the Ulster final on Saturday with a 1-9 to 10 points win over Derry in Clonus while Tyrone made round 2B of the qualifiers with a 114 to 8 points victory over Limerick in Oma. Here's Mickey Hart, but first, Tyrconnell boss Rory Gallagher on reaching a fifth Ulster final in a row where they'll play Monaghan for the third 
final in a row. We, we were well tuned going into it that this was what it was likely to be and you know we knew Derry were going to make life very difficult you know I wouldn't call them defensive I'd call them extremely hard working so they did and they put in a great shift you know and to be fair they missed a lot of chances too. Yeah it was a big big score listen goals are hard to come by in Ulster Championship and I thought it was a great goal from our point of view that the big Neil done well and obviously Marty finished it brilliantly you know but be disappointed you know then that we didn't push on we put ourselves in a very very good position five up at that stage and we didn't didn't push on we let them back into it. Yeah it's going to be a mammoth test you know listen we've we've played you know, very, very difficult three games. You know, it feels as if we've climbed a mountain now to go right back to the bottom and start again. But listen, it's going to be a great day out. You have two of the top teams in the country and two of the top teams in Ulster playing. Mickey, a victory over Limerick in the qualifiers, one fourteen to eight points. Uh, what did you take from it? Well, that is a struggle to win games uh, when you get knocked out of the, uh, your provincial championship. It takes a while to get back on the rhythm of it all again. And um, it's about playing a team from a lower division who have nothing to lose. And the examples we've seen the last couple of weeks that they've all seen that if they raise their game, that he can cause an upset. And a number of teams have done it already. And for 60 or 55 minutes there, Limerick were capable of doing it as well. So we had to deal with that. We had to deal with the, the strong favourites tag we had, which we have no... You know, we have no rule over who makes those kind of things but we had to learn to live with it because we played our football in a higher division and I suppose the longer that a team like that from a lower division stays with you then they gain power from that and, and, and our players begin to doubt are we fit to finish this job so that made it difficult for us but to be able to come through that and then press on at the end and get what may be a flattering scoreline but still a convincing win at the end of the day you move the ball very quickly down the wing try to work it inside eventually it led to the goal another goal was disallowed in the first half was that something that you kind of specifically honed in on for this game and maybe even the game before as well because he did a lot of that against Donegal as well and we're unlucky in that game yeah well that's it I suppose we have players who can move fast and move fast with the ball and we need that and players supporting them and if you get enough of that going then you're going to turn some of those into you know, good value outcomes. Um, so that's what we try to do all right. Uh, we like to believe that we have players who have got a lot of energy and can move at pace and move the ball with control. Now, we'd be all disappointed with probably some of our first touch and some of the con- our ball control today, which maybe upset some of the chances we had to get scores at a time when it would have made a difference. So, But maybe there's a little skift of rain there and things were a bit more slippery than the players realise. So that's all part and parcel of, of the game. But the ultimate outcome was here to be in the draw on Monday morning for round two. And however we got there, as long as we get there, that was the main thing. This is the Rewind on News Talk and that was Tyrone manager Mickey Hart speaking to me in Oma. Before him, you heard from Donegal boss Rory Gallagher. Now, let's get the cold light of day reaction on Westmead's fantastic victory over Meath in Crow Park yesterday. Former Westmeath and Offaly footballer PJ Ward joins me. PJ, a good day yesterday. How is the county this morning? Yeah, definitely. You know, I think Westmead people are, are more than happy this morning with the, with the results. And, you know, it wasn't looking good for them at the half time. But when you go, uh, when you go 22 uh, championship uh, meetings together and, and to lose 22, when, when you get that first one over your, your neighbours, I think is a, an, an extremely special one for the people of Westmead. What went right in the second half? And wrong in the first half. Well, uh, you know, looking at the team selection, you know, earlier in the week, you know, uh, previewing the game, um, I was quite concerned about uh, Kieran Martin playing a centre back. You know, he was he was inspirational for Westmead in, in the wins over um, Loud and Wexford. Um, you know, again Wexford, he scored uh, one two from a corner forward position, and I think you know the first twenty minutes, you know, really caused Westmead trouble with my centre back. You know, I think Tom Cribbin and his management team were really looking to shore up that defence. Uh, from the last meetings again, meet in the league, and that were to conceded three or four goals. But um, I think when Tom uh, sort of took the shackles off Kieran Martin and let him back up the field, you know, he really came into his own. And uh, for periods of the game, there, you know, getting that goal in the in the first half was really what kept Westmead in the game going into half time. And 
just, you know, getting that one two in at a vital time for Westmead yesterday, you know, really spurred Westmead on and I think just just a, a few tactical changes as well, you know, John Knelling in in at half time as well, you know, really done well. Dennis Glennon coming on. You know, I think he made the switches at the right time. Mead were really beginning to run out with steam at that stage. So, you know, he just got the things right on the day. And people say that Mead were missing experience and they'd no leaders to kind of manage the game, we'll say, in the second half when it began to get ropey. But looking at the West Mead team, I mean, they're not exactly full of grey-haired old men. There was a lot of young fellas out there. Does this show that if you're a good footballer, you're kind of a leader at any age? I mean, look at John Heslin, for example. He's only 23, but he's very experienced. Absolutely, you know, and you look at the average age of the Westmead team, you know, the majority of them are below 25. Um, I think Dennis Glennon, um, Dennis Glennon is the oldest there at 31, and then I think the rest then are all under the age of 25. So there's plenty of youth within the squad, and, you know, a lot of, a lot of the young lads stood up yesterday, like um, even Shane Dempsey in his first day, you know, in Crow Park, he tagged on two points. You know, again, as we spoke about John Heslin and Kieran Martin in on their own, you know, excellent. Kevin Maguire was very good at full-back. Darren Quinn in the goals was absolutely excellent. You know, he kept Westmead in it as well at stages of the game there. Yesterday, he pulled off two or three great saves. You know, for a young team, for a young team to have great experience for what they brought yesterday, and I think, you know, probably the work that Tom has done with them over the course of the last five to six weeks, you know, bringing in the psychologists and, and things like that has really brought these lads on to a different level, you know, in terms of their confidence to that. And Tom did a bit of psychology of his own after the league. He had a real go at his lads and it seems to have worked. Yeah, definitely, you know, and I think, um, you know, he received a lot of criticism for that, you know, by doing it so public, but, you know, um, talking to a few of the players after that incident and that, and in fairness to the players, each, each one of them that I spoke to held their hand up and said, you know, Tom was 100% right that they weren't delivering on what, on what he was uh, requesting from them. So, you know, whatever, whatever way you want to take it, it's worked for them in the last uh, seven or eight weeks and, He's beginning to get the best out of him. Like, I haven't seen a Westmead team play that well in, in, in a long, long time. They've built throughout the year. Did you see this coming? Obviously, you've been following them right from the O'Byrne Cup, in which they picked up a first win in, in over a calendar year, right through the league and obviously onto the championship, beating uh, Louth and Wexford on the way to this victory over Mead. Yeah, definitely. You know, I think the, 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 at times they've had really exceptional, positive football, you know, during the league. And... Um, just at, at various times, I think that mental frailty that Tom spoke about during the league was really the cause of them uh, getting demoted to Division 3. Um, but, you know, again, as I say, the work that he's done with the seven or eight weeks, all that seems to have gone out the window, that they're, they're flying with confidence and, and that. And I think that's an important part for these players because, you know, there is a lot of, lot of expectation within Westmead, you know, of the calibre of footballers there. There is good footballers there and a lot of people are still holding on to the memory of 2004 and not realising that this is a whole new whole new team and a whole new chapter for them. And, you know, I think it's just, it's, it's a positive thing that Tom has really done with them. You know, from my own time with Tom, uh, with Offaly, he's an extremely positive man, and he's brilliant, he's a brilliant players man. You know, so he, it's, there was no doubt that he was going to get the best out of these lads. This is the Rewind on News Talk. We're chatting with former Westmead and Offaly footballer PJ Ward. And PJ, you were there for a Midland 103 yesterday, part of their commentary team. Did you jan- dance with Jerry Buckley? Oh, well, I seen Jerry, Jerry jumping around and I met him down at the, the press area after and he was that excited. I think his blood pressure had gone through the roof and I was nearly sending him into the change room to get an ice bath <laughs> to try to cool himself down. He was that excited. Yeah, well-known Westmead GA journalist and historian. Westmead played Dublin in the final and I hate to put a dampener on things, but that could send them crashing back down to earth, couldn't it? Absolutely, and, and to be honest, I think if, if people are realistic the way Dublin are at the moment, you could probably combine three or four of the top teams in Leinster outside of Dublin, and I think they'll still struggle again Dublin, you know. 
Um, my only criticism is that, you know, if you're looking at the, the balance books for the GEA, you know, earlier in the year, Dublin receiving 2.4 million from, from headquarters compared, compared to the likes of Longford and Tyrone, who only received 39,000 euro. It, it, it's a massive gap for, for small counties, you know, the likes of Westmean that to try to put in the, the resources that's required to get up to the standard of Dublin. Can we take any crumb of comfort from the fact that uh, in the minor grade, it will be Kildare and Longford who will meet in the final? Kildare beating Dublin yesterday. Yeah, definitely. You know, it was funny. You know that the two teams that were favourites to progress into the minor into the minor final were, were beaten at the weekend, both Mead and Dublin. You know, I think that's great for Leinster football. I think it's positive for the smaller counties. Like Longford have done great work at underage in the last number of years. Like they competed, they won a Leinster back. I think it was in two thousand and ten at minor level. So you know, it's good. It's good that the it's good that these structures are going in and that we can start seeing that uh, the weaker counties are competing at minor level and under twenty one level. It can only reap rewards for Leinster football going forward. Now, you mentioned Kildare. They're absolutely battered by Dublin in their semi-final. They're out in six days in O'Connor Park against your former team, uh, Offaly. Is it good or bad for Kildare that they have to play so soon? Um, look, I think the good thing was too that surely Jason Ryan, you know, when this was made last week, he had to have a second eye on, on Offaly just in case that they didn't go over Dublin yesterday, as was the case. But... Um, Look, it's hard to get the lads back up mentally, especially after taking a trim and like they did in Crow Park yesterday. You know, conceding five sixteen is is a massive massive score. Uh, confidence would be extremely low. But she, the the thing is now, are Claire going to lay down or are they going to are they going to come back fighting? And you know they've proven now after taking that trim in last uh, yesterday. Uh, for Offaly, they were on a bit of a run. They had a long wait after the defeat against Longford, uh, but then they came back and beat Waterford in Dungarvan, a good victory. Now Waterford are poor, but. They'll fancy this one, won't they? Because, you know, when they've come up against Kildare in the last couple of years, they've given them a game they haven't been able to see it through, but maybe they've developed that bit further now. Absolutely, you know, and I think, you know, Pat Flanagan has done an absolutely fantastic job at Offaly this year. You know, um, Pat sets, sets out his uh, his plans for the year. He achieved that, you know, getting the Division 4 title. Um, probably the championship didn't go the way he wanted to go. He was probably hoping to get over Longford in the first round. But look, they bounced back with a good win again, Waterford. Um, Kildare aren't the team that were two or three years ago the last time Offaly met them you know I think losing Johnny Doyle to their forwards is a massive blow to Kildare I just don't feel that they're the same team and I think you know Offaly could definitely cause an upset on Saturday evening And just looking at the other qualifiers before I let you go Cavan Ross Common and uh, Fermanagh against Armagh along with Clare and Longford Yep you know they're they're going to be good ties, you know. And um, I suppose the, the the this year's Division Two um, teams, uh, Roscommon and Cavan, that's probably the mouthwater and tie of that one, you know. Uh, Roscommon probably extremely disappointed after after losing uh, to Sligo again. Another team, you know, John Evans saying about that Roscommon are good enough to be competing for all Ireland now with the success they had in the last two or three years. That's going to be an interesting one at the weekend. And just before I let you go, we'll finish where we started with Westmeath. If they do take a tanking from Dublin, and look, as a neutral and a football fan, I really hope they don't. But if they do, will it kind of wipe the, the, the goodness out of what they've done against Meath, or does it kind of depend how they bounce back in the qualifiers? Well, I suppose, yeah. I think the big thing is, is how they're going to react to, to it if, it if it does happen. And, you know, this is a massive step forward for, for Westmeath this season, you know, to even be in a Leinster final. Um, I'm sure that would have been the goal at the start of the year. I don't think too many teams would be looking past Dublin, but I think um, if, if the case may be, I think Tom will have them back on the on the field very very quick and try to progress because you know if we take last year they didn't win it, they didn't win game, didn't win a game at all last year, they went 15 games without uh, a victory. 
you know, this year they've, they've had a decent league, even though they were relegated. They've got a couple of wins there, but, you know, to put three championship wins back-to-back is massive for Westmead going forward. So I'm sure that if they do, Tom will be expecting them to get a good run in the qualifiers. This is the Rewind on News Talk, and that was PJ Ward and Westmead's win over Mead and the upcoming Leinster final against Dublin. Still to come, Irish boxing coach Billy Walsh on the heroics in Baku and ex-All-Ireland winner with Kilkenny, Michael Walsh, will preview next week's hurling qualifiers and the Leinster final between Kilkenny and Galway. First up though, it's the Munster football final and next Sunday, Kerry hosts Cork in Killarney. That's a match you can hear live on Off The Ball. Legendary analyst with Radio Kerry, Wishy Fogarty, joins us. At Wishy, Kerry against Cork in Fitzgerald Stadium is a special occasion on the Irish sporting calendar. You might try to explain to us just why that is. It is a very special event. I think it's one of the biggest events, really, in the Irish sporting calendar, especially for the likes of myself who have lived in the town of Killarney all my life. And I saw my first monster final here way back in 1955. That's six years years ago this year. But it's so special because you have all the thousands of people flocking to a tourist town, and the stadium is only two or three minutes' walk from the centre of the town. Everybody congregates in the town. The pubs and the cafes and the hotels, they're all packed. The atmosphere on the Saturday night and the Sunday morning, Oisin, is absolutely electric. Because as I see it, the secret is three minutes from the town, up the Lewis Road, and you're into Fitzgerald Stadium. In actual fact, I live on the road that uh, thousands and thousands pass up just behind my house, and I would appreciate it probably more than anything. And of course, then, Fitzgerald Stadium itself then, which was actually built by the patients of St. Finan's Hospital in Killarney back in the, in the 30s, that overlooks the mountains, it overlooks the lakes, it overlooks the town, and especially when you're on the terrace, and the terrace is absolutely packed to capacity, and you look out over the mountains and the lakes and the steeples of the churches in the background. So come here, listen to me, where would you get it? Anywhere in the world. It's absolutely unbelievable. It's a beautiful view when you're at the stadium, especially where we are in the press box. It kind of overlooks all of that. You're even higher than the terrace. Uh, Talk to me about Kerry and their form this season. Look, it's Kerry, so let's pretty much ignore the league. But against Tip, what did you pick up from that game, if anything? Well, against Tip, they just did what they had to do, really. Tipperary, I, th- I thought myself that Tipperary spoke themselves up a little bit too much before the game. They were talking about Kerry coming up and they were waiting for them and they had a good team and they had young fellas coming through and, and they're going to test themselves against Kerry and Kerry really were prepared for it in such a way that there was never going to be an upset. And I think if Tipperary had kept a little bit quieter and laid an ambush, they might have done better. But Eamon Fismaris, is, the one thing about Fismaris is, the manager, he leaves nothing to chance. He prepares everything down to the last detail, and he did against Tipperary. Now, they weren't all that very impressive against Tipperary. They never really got out of third gear, but it was great to see Colin Cooper coming back, and then, of course, your James O'Donoghue, just back after injury, he came on. So, generally, overall, O'Sheen, they just did enough. Now, we've only seen uh, one hour's football from the now, really, since the All-Ireland last year, so they just did enough against Tipperary, but Eamon Fismaris talking to him after, he was disappointed really with their display. The big question is, and it hasn't been answered by that tip display, how does he put all the pieces into the jigsaw? Where does he put the likes of Tommy Walsh if he starts, Paul Galvin if he's involved on game day, Colin Cooper and James O'Donoghue? How does he marry all of this together? Or is there just one system that you're looking for? Because we've seen you need a few systems. Last year, look how adaptable they were when they come up against Donegal. 
Yeah, well, I tell you now, this is the first thing anyway I should say is we don't know for the simple reason that I have been attending Kerry training down here all my life. And now, as you know, for the last two years, the gates of Fitzgerald Stadium are locked securely and we don't know what's happening. So what's happening behind those gates is only pure speculation. And the question you put to me there in relation how does he fit them all in, we won't know until, first of all, we hear the team that's announced. Because against Tipperary, there was only seven of the team that started the All-Ireland last year. Now, that'll show you the substitute bins that they had the likes of Brian Kelly and James O'Donoghue and Stephen O'Brien and Ed Normani and Darren O'Sullivan, Sean Fitzgerald, Tommy Welch. How are they going to marry all them in? We don't know. Because Brian Sheehan was centre field against Tipperary and he was the man of the match. Now, does David Moran come back in? Where does he put David Moran? He might put him maybe a wing forward and bring him out as a third midfielder. He won't drop Anthony Maher and Brian Sheehan has to be on. I don't think that he's going to start Tommy Welch because there's no place for him in the forward line at the moment and James O'Donoghue will probably come in. But the one thing about James O'Donoghue and uh, Colm Cooper, we mustn't forget O'Sheen, they're only coming back from very serious injuries and they're really not match fit yet. How will they do in a Munster final? We'll have to wait and see. Just before I let you go, Wishi, I'm kind of throwing this one all of a sudden at you. It's a bit of a surprise question. What's your favourite Cork Kerry clash or Kerry Cork clash in Killarney and why? My favourite Cork and Kerry clash in Killarney, no doubt at all about it, was 60 years ago this year because it was my first ever Munster final and it was the first as a, as a Killarney lad grown up and I remember it distinctly it was a blazing hot day and Kerry beat Cork and they went on to win the All-Ireland beating Dublin in 1955 and why I remember it so much is because I'm a Killarney Legion clubman myself the same as James O'Donoghue and Jonathan Lyon and Brian Kelly and I remember my own clubman Donny Murphy was playing full back for Kerry that day and he was man of the match Johnny Quality, who's a member of my own club and an ex-door neighbour of mine, he was a sub. He was only 18 years old. He was a sub, and he made his first ever Kerry senior appearance that day in 1955 in Killarney. And it was the first time I ever saw Kerry winning a championship game. It was the first time I saw Kerry and Cork playing. It was the first time I saw a Munster final in Killarney. And it was the first time I saw 45,000 people at a football match. And it was the first time I saw clubmen of my own winning Munster championships. So it remains etched in my memory forevermore. And I was sitting on the wall overlooking the stadium, high up in the wall, which you couldn't do now, of course, for uh, all the safety business. So, Oisin, that's my memory of 60 years ago this year. And listen, I'm a neutral, but I love... Munster final day in Killarney and Cork people love it as well but I wonder why because their record in Killarney in recent years is horrific it's absolutely horrific it is they haven't won in Killarney for for uh, uh, for 20 years in the, ch- the championship in Killarney but I tell you this Oisin if you look at the games they've played in Killarney over the last 10 or 15 years they've only lost them all in Killarney by a pint about, about two pints and you mentioned the atmosphere if I can tell you again one of my greatest things to do is the morning of a Munster final is to walk around the town and savour the atmosphere. The crowds milling, milling around. And years ago, before I got involved in, in, uh, in, in Radio Kerry and broadcasting the games, I was walking around and I went for a few pints in the back door. The pubs weren't open. And I went into Amara's pub in High Street and the doors were locked, was packed. And would you believe it? The guards raided the pub at 12 o'clock. 
they ordered everybody out of the pub and they put <laughs> us out in the street drinking our pints and the, and the pub had to be locked. <laughs> well, listen, the main thing is they didn't take the points off you. It's a pity they don't do that to Dublin supporters. Maybe the games will run on time in Crow Park. Wishy Fogarty, before I let you go, what's your prediction? Oh, well, I, I definitely, Oshie, not because I'm a Kerry or anything, but I think Kerry with, with the, with the, I think Kerry going to win. With the, with the, with the, with the, the subs they have, they have better footballers than, 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 than Cork all over the place. But, I'll tell you this now, after what Tomas O'Shea said in the papers, and he mentioned about Cork being rudderless on and off the field, and he also mentioned about Eamon Fismaris, if he was in charge of Cork, the Cork would be a better team. I tell you, that must have hurt Cork to hear a Kerry man saying that. And I expect myself, I expect this Cork team, they had a good league, they went to the league final, I know they were beaten by Dublin, but I tell you, I wouldn't rule out a cock or a draw. This is the Rewind on News Talk and that was Radio Kerry legend Wishy Fogarty on the Munster final between Kerry and Cork. It's live on Off the Ball next Sunday at 2. In Hurling there's a provincial final and four tasty qualifiers next weekend. On Saturday Wexford host Cork, Leash meet Dublin and Offaly play Clare. And we'll get to all of those games shortly but first let's talk to All-Ireland winning goalkeeper with Kilkenny Michael Walsh about his involvement with Westmeath uh, Westmeath of course at home to Limerick next weekend in the qualifiers Michael tell us a bit more about um, your time with the Maroons and how things are going I'm doing a bit of coaching up there I'm giving Michael a hand I go up every, every Thursday night to them and try and make as many matches as I can I would say that there's been great progress being made there's a very professional attitude gone in there the lads that are involved in it Michael and his backroom team are hugely professional in what to do and the players have responded in the main and Basically, I suppose it's been a very successful season because I suppose, in fairness, realistically, people might have thought it'd be finished on the 24th of May and they're still hurling on the 5th of July and that can only be good. And that can only bring them on a ton to see that they're hurling against these bigger teams and getting a chance to compete. And hopefully that'll be the case this weekend that they can compete and, and see where that takes them. I remember hearing comments from Justin McCarthy when he was in charge of Waterford and they beat Westmeath. And he said, look, the big difference between the top teams and teams who are trying to get into the kind of a group of top teams is intensity and I guess that intensity only comes through two things one hard work and coaching but two getting to play against big teams yeah you're spot on there uh, I would say pace is another word uh, the pace of the game that's played at a higher level is something that would catch you out a little bit uh, particularly when you're not used to that um, but that's again a matter of the big thing is to try and get games against these bigger teams unfortunately you know that's that's not going to be the case after after this season is over because you're back down again. But there's there, there's an improvement there the whole time, and you have teams like Carlo and Antrim, and you know Kerry have showed this year exactly what they can do as well. And you know those teams are at a fairly high level as well. So the level is improving all the time. It's it's just to try and get up to that next level is, is the important thing. The fact that. Westmead are at home to Limerick. That's a big advantage, isn't it? Oh, it's everything. It's everything because you know Cusick Park is a is a great pitch for them, and and we've you know they've they've, they've played many good games this year and given many very good performances this year. And again, you know they'll be hoping to do that. I think you know I expect sure they definitely were a bit nervy, and then we had a very you know build up to it wasn't great, and the fact that we lost a couple of players to suspension. One of them was was absolutely absolutely crazy. The chap, you know, he should never have been suspended, but that's that's neither here or there. He was, and then. Shane Power got that nasty injury before the match and you know West Meath were down four or five of their top players in that match and you certainly can't afford that but they battled away and battled very well so those players are back now this week although own price is missing so we'll, it'll be interesting to see how it goes but uh, certainly uh, you know, West Meath have again trained very well for the match and hopefully there'll be a huge performance coming 
And there'll be a feel-good factor around Westmeath, given what they did against uh, Meath in the football, and they've reached the Leinster final. Well, it's been uh, for Westmeath uh, in itself. It's been a great year. The minor hurlers did very, very well. Although it ended up disappointingly against Dublin, they beat Wexford in Wexford Park, which is no mean feat. And uh, you know the the football yesterday was absolutely fantastic. I mean, it was just you know for even if you weren't to do with Westmeath or went from there to see the underdogs coming back from ten points down. It's just a fantastic feat, and, and I mean, you're right, there is a feat, and there has been a feel good factor up around the hurling there for the last while, so this will even drive it on more. Now, some other big fixtures next weekend. The one uh, that jumps off the page is Wexford against Cork in Wexford Park. Both teams very poor in their provincial semi finals, both have more in them. I guess it's a matter of who can get the most out of themselves. Yeah, that's 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 the big the big thing. Uh, you know, it's 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 going to be very very interesting to see who can get the most out of themselves because both of them are are you know maybe at a bit of a low ebb at the moment. So it'll be interesting to see what what can come out of it. Seamus Harnady is back for Cork, and that's a huge addition because he wins ball, he can get scores, and he was a a massive loss against Waterford. He was a massive loss against Waterford. Uh, you know, Cork Cork are coming in. You know, it's 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 incredible to see that, that Cork have you know, I would have thought they would have been one of the favourites at the start of the year, uh, definitely would and the way they came back against Dublin would have I would have thought even more would have drove them on, but since then they seem to have gone backwards. And then now they've suffered a number of injuries. You're right in your saying well, Shane and Harney, but now they've lost Shane O'Neill and it's at the other end of the field that I think Cork are in trouble. But Cork, it's a huge watershed day for Cork. I felt the Watford match was, and I'm not so sure about their their body language alone will be interesting next Saturday night because, I mean, they, they lost to Watford again, even though they made a big effort at the start. They seemed to lose heart when the goals went in, and it's not a good sign for Cork, I have to say. And, you know, I would be a bit worried about them as regards their, their, their mental state. They have to really, really put on a performance. And now, if they can come down to Wexford and put on a huge performance and win, well, then their season can lift again. But it's a huge, huge task for them. As it is for Wexford because they, they've got an almighty hiding from Kenny. How do they bounce back from that? I mean, where are Wexford at? We saw them last year beating Clare after a replay and then Waterford in the qualifiers. Yes, they lost heavily to Limerick, but I think fatigue was at play there. This year, in Division 1B, an average season again. And, and, and as you say, OK, a win against Westmeath on the first day out, but poor against Kilkenny so where are they at it's hard to figure out it is hard to figure out and it would seem that they, they definitely have gone back a bit because I mean they got an awful hiding against Kilkenny and certainly they wouldn't have been expecting that and you know it, 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 it's, it's a huge match for both teams it's a pressure game and where both of them are at one of them will be gone next weekend and the one that's gone I think there's going to be uh, there'll be a lot of repercussions because I think that uh, both counties will be very very disappointed with the way the thing has gone so far what about Leash and Dublin this is a massive, massive game for both teams. Leash, when they played Galway, took a bit of a hiding, but their work rate just dropped off about 20 minutes in and they never really recovered. They've got to get that work rate back. They have, yeah, and they seem to be playing a system where not only do they have one but two sweepers, and you know you have to, you know you have to wonder where that can take you. I suppose it can take you to a certain level, but then when you go behind, you know, and, there's, and you don't change it, well then, you know, how, how do you come back? You just can't. But when you say it's a huge match for both teams, it's definitely a huge match for Dublin because again they showed early in the year that they were really flying it, but it's been nothing but disappointment in the last two games. Uh, the way they lost to Cork and then the way they performed the second day against. It was just, you know, it was, it was very disheartening for a, a group of players that that really were in a great position early in the year, but now are really struggling. And I, but again, a win in a match like this can be a real fill up to a team, and they can really drive themselves on. And you know, they, they, who knows what the season may hold? But 
certainly uh, the team under pressure in this match is by far the, the greatest pressure is Dublin and they showed a lot of innocence in defence against Galway, didn't they, Dublin? They'll have to learn from that. Yeah, I was amazed at that. I was amazed at that, really. And uh, I'm sure they will learn from it. But, you know, it's, it's again, what damage has done psychologically. Because, you know, to me, the day of the league semi-finals in Nolan Park, they looked, at times, the best hurling team of the four. And that included Tipperary and Watford, who've gone on to better things since. But, uh, you know, the way, they, the way they performed against Galway, even the first day was, was average enough. Uh, they probably should have won the first day, but the second day... Uh, really uh, opened up a lot of all wounds if you like and now do they go back to where they started from and put Liam Rush back in the defence and do they do they re dig their team again and that's going to be the interesting part of it to see what exactly team Dublin will put out and I think they do have to play Liam Rush centre half back I think they're in trouble in that position and they definitely need Peter Kelly back at full back if that's the case then that shores it up a bit and then we'll see what's happening at the end of the field but Dublin need a win and I, I think they need a, a good win to, to set themselves up again. They had some great battles in the 90s, Clare and Offaly, but I guess it goes to show how far Clare have risen back, I should say, because they went down again after the 90s success and have come back to prominence and, and how far Offaly have gone down to say that it's very hard to see anything else but a, a big Clare win. Well, yeah, it is. And, uh, you know, Offaly will be hugely disappointed with the way things went against uh, Leash because they had been going kind of well and there seemed to be a bit of improvement from the previous years, but that result will have set them back an awful lot. How they've re- regrouped in the meantime, nobody knows. I suppose the, the all eyes are really unclear in this one. Um, you know, they, they're well-documented uh, stuff earlier in the year and now they're returning to Colin Galvin and more well-documented stuff now as regards, you know, is there one rule for one and one rule for the other? And... Uh, Again, another team under pressure. Uh, lots of teams in these qualifiers certainly are under pressure, and this is definitely another one. Um, Clare have to perform. Uh, their, their performance against Limerick was disappointing, and uh, as has been seen since, Limerick seemed to have transgressed a little bit too. So, you know, it's 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 all about Clare again, and what what body language they're going to show. Are they going to put on a good performance? Will they have everybody back, like Brendan Bugler, Galvin, and McGrath, and and you know, because if they have everyone they definitely have the talent but what else is going on nobody knows but Davey is quite adamant that everything is okay in that camp and you have to take him at his word and he's a passionate man and you know they will be I'm sure chopping at the bit to put in a good performance but again like Dublin they need to, to go down there and win and win comfortably and set themselves up Is it a case for players within the squad you mentioned there Colin Galvin coming back and you know, you're saying that there might be one rule for one player and, and, and other rules for others. Do players who are starting and players who just want to play care so long as they have the best team available to them and they have the best chance of winning? I would say that nobody cares when you're winning, but unfortunately when you lose, then that's, all this thing comes out, you know. That's that's what I would say. Like, you know, we don't know what's going on inside or outside or inside any camp, but, uh, you know, I don't think clear. You're spot on. Once you win, I think everything is pushed under the carpet. But if you lose, then, of course, it'll all be brought up. And, you know, that's that's the trouble with, with things like that when they get out into the public domain, uh, like the earlier incidents in the year. But uh, they seemed... I was very impressed with clearing to Kenny uh, the second day in the league in the in the league in the match that mattered the relegation playoff. I was very impressed with the way they went about that, and they were very unlucky that day. And you know, I think Kenny are, are, are obviously really, really strong, and, and certainly still the team to beat. I would feel, but uh, you know, Clare really put it up to Kenny that day. And now, albeit Kenny had a few lads just back, and we're still missing a good few, uh, they really did play well that day. But um, I was very, very disappointed with their performance against Limerick, and uh, I thought that game was a very, very poor game.
This is the Rewind on News Talk. We're talking to former Kilkenny goalkeeper Michael Walsh. Michael, your own county in action on Sunday in the Leinster final against Galway. You'll be on commentary duty for Casey Law. It has the makings of a very good game. It has the makings of a very, very good game. You know, Galway have seemed to have stepped up the pace a good bit this year, uh, albeit lucky to get away the first day against Dublin and seem to be in a different, different place the next two days. However, they're meeting a completely different animal now and uh, it's, it's, it's going to be a huge test of them uh, to see exactly where they are. Uh, the Kenny forwards look to be really, really sharp. How good the Galway defence is, well, we'll, we'll have to remain wait and see uh, I think that therein lies the, the result of this match uh, if, if, if the Galloway defence can can do a number on the Kenny forwards well then they're able to make a chance if they if you know uh, that, that remains to be seen They've made a couple of changes John Hanbury seems to be settling in at full back Joe Canning is working well with the likes of Jason Flynn and, and, and they've one or two lads av- available that they wouldn't have had earlier in the season so they seem to have a more rounded team Galway yeah, they certainly do, and they've made massive progress, and they, they seem to be, you know, more settled, and they have a great work work ethic, and you know, as a Joe Canning seems to be fitting into that system at the moment, it's going very, very well. And uh, you know, as I said to you already, uh, the centre of defence uh, still remains to be seen whether you know under the, the greatest pressure, which they've probably come under Sunday, how they stand up to that. But certainly, young Hanbury and the early Italian are going very, very well in those positions at the moment. Uh, as I said, Sunday will be the acid test, and it'll be massively interesting to see what. what that game goes but it should be a cracker and Hurland needs a cracker because so far we haven't had too many really good games and what do you do if you're going to test the Kilkenny defence early on because they weren't tested against Wexford so no, we're not sure where they're at point. yeah no that's a fair point as well I mean you know they weren't and uh, you know the I suppose the, the, the people everyone is looking for is is, is uh, the Joey Holland situation at fullback. But look, at he's a very very solid player, and uh, you know he's 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 done very very well so far. And he can really play what's in front of you, and he's he's really done well in the extra match. However, that, it's fair to say that that wasn't a massive test, and the bigger bigger test now is coming down the line on Sunday. The Galway forwards will do their usual. They'll really they'll really have a pace, and they'll move around, and they'll try and you know take it on. And I suppose they'll they'll, they'll definitely go and try and test that area. But you know. Joey is a strong person good personality and uh, I, I have no fear of him and the likes of Jerry Aylward he's kind of typical in a Kilkenny sense that you know the stormer against Wexford and he's an overnight sensation but he's an overnight sensation who's been part of the squad for a couple of seasons at this stage well he's an overnight sensation to people that really don't you know maybe they don't follow underage hurling or just involved in senior hurling I, I would have been well aware of Jerry uh, both uh, watching him as a minor and uh, as an under-21 manager and uh, the talent that Jar has would have been I would have rated Jar very very highly over the years and would have expected him to make the breakthrough sooner because of one reason or another mainly through injury he hasn't done that but uh, it was no surprise I suppose scoring 3-5 might have been a surprise but certainly wasn't any surprise for me to see how well he played against Wexford and you know I, again look at he's coming in under a bit of pressure now but he's a type of fella that doesn't really do pressure either he's he's uh, you know he, he's a devil may care fella and he will just take it on and go for it and uh, it'll be interesting to see how we'll go on Sunday and, and he's coming up probably in direct opposition to a fellow that has been very impressive so far for Galway and that's Powerick Mannion so that battle will be very interesting as well I would ask a prediction but I have a feeling I know the answer already well as I said it earlier I just feel that, that you know Kenny looked fresher and they looked really strong the last day uh, Galway have looked very good I am expecting a great game I am expecting a very close game and I'm hoping for a great game as I said because we haven't had too many so far this year and I'm hoping that the hurling season will take off with this match on Sunday but I do expect Kenny to, to prevail Michael Walsh thanks for joining us on the Rewind thanks Oshin Boxing now and there was more celebrations for Ireland at the European Games as Katie Taylor and Port Leisha's Michael O'Reilly 
both won gold. That's Taylor's 18th major title. It was a good weekend also for Brendan Irvine and Sean McComb who collected medals. McComb, by the way, secured his place at the World Championships in Qatar in October thanks to his run to the semis. Billy Walsh is Ireland's head coach and he spoke to Nathan Murphy on Off The Ball. You know, winning two gold medals, it's, it's, it's obviously setting a new standard as well. The first time ever uh, holding the European Games. So, absolutely thriller. Key thing for this is also a qualification process for uh, the World Championships. We, 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 we qualify, we've qualified three guys. You know, Katie goes out again and wins another gold medal. I think it's an 18th gold medal and she's been dominant since she has done that since 2005, which is a remarkable record. You know? And I think the, the key thing around it was, you know, a lot of the guys here have, uh, you know, never competed at this level before. They're, we've, we've, been, we've been training them as a youths and, and developing them all along. And, and, uh, and I think the only, one that was a, the only one that was a medalist from uh, London was Katie Taylor. So it's a fantastic that we've, we've you know, this talent coming through. Yeah, it's an incredible conveyor belt. Talk to us about Michael O'Reilly, Portleash middleweight, going into the lines then, fighting a fighter from Azerbaijan, Jaibula Muzalov, under huge pressure heading into the final round. Put this victory into some sort of context. Yeah, look, he, he was, you know, it's been very difficult out here, you know, to beat an Azerbaijani in their hometown. You know, this, they had seven males in the you know, and uh, they finished number one nation. And uh, Michael turned the, today, like, turned the, turned the, the farm book on his head, you know, went out and beat this guy. The Michael, people don't know a lot about him, but you know, he's been a European school by champion. You know, under 18, he was a European medalist. So he's been coming. He's now starting to become of age at 22 years of age to senior level, you know, and, uh, you know, starting to uh, perform. He, you know, he also follows the long line of middleweights that we've had in the program, starting with Andy Lee back in 2004, you know, onto Darren Sutherland, got be good to him, you know, onto Eamon O'Kane, who was a medalist, Darren O'Neill, who was a medalist, Jason Quigley, who was a recent medalist, and now we've, we've now we've produced another middleweight in, in Michael O'Reilly, which great credit also must go to his club of Ornish and Pat Ryan and the work that they've done down there in getting into this level. Yeah, it's a quite remarkable line of talent in the middleweight division we've had over the last few years. And a huge bravery as well from Michael O'Reilly today. Musilov dominated the second round. He looked to be in a lot of trouble, but he fought back incredibly well in the final round. What were you saying to him in the corner between the second and third yeah, rounds? Look, we knew it was, it, was, it was one each going into the last round, you know, and we had spoke about this over, you know, that he was going to have to go to, uh, down, to the heels, down to the heels of his boots you know, to win this. Because this guy was, you know, we had been in training camp with him. He knew what he was like, you know. And this is, this is the time he had to go to the heels, soles of his boots, to 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 win this fight, you know. And uh, the plan was to work to a treat. The guy was going to get tired. He was going to keep coming forward, and that we were to go back to our boxing. We were to pick him off, use our jabs, make him miss, and then counter. And that's what he did perfectly. You mentioned Katie's eighteen goals now in major championships, four years unbeaten. We've had this conversation so many times over the last couple of years, but are there any new superlatives you can throw at her after what you've seen this week? You know, you'll uh, be sitting there witnessing, you're sitting there witnessing, you know, the the pressures that 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 she would, would be under, particularly in the semi final against Azerbaijan. You know, where when I when I re looked at the fight last night, you know, she won she won every round, and yes, we're 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 down to a draw, and and down to. A countback as such mm. with the judges, you know. Uh, so that was the pressure she was under, and yet when they were produced, and today, you know, there was no, there was no question or doubt that she won every round again. You know, uh, 
that drives her and what keeps her ahead is you know something special you know and uh, continuously looking to improve and to keep ahead of the pack who are chasing her for many many years now yeah and hopefully I... for many more that's it for the rewind this week don't forget we've got two live GA matches this weekend on off the ball Cavan taking on Ross Common in the qualifiers this Saturday at five and on Sunday it's the Munster final in Killarney Kerry taking on Cork it throws in at two o'clock join the lads on off the ball every night this week from seven and I'll be with you on breakfast just before half seven and half eight almost every morning this week except for Wednesday and Thursday Richie McCormick will be in for me on breakfast until next week goodbye The Monday Rewind Hedlund heading towards goal John Hedlund for Westmead John Hedlund buries it into the corner and Westmead are going to beat their neighbours for the first time in the history of the Leicester Football Championship very very young team and uh, look when, when you have a record like that at some stage you're always going to get beaten you know and we threw caution to the win and we went at them and I think we finished very strong fitness wise too you know what have we to fear well, they won't be fearing them that's the question they wouldn't be fearing any of, any of those counties so why should Wexford look it's a massive day for Wexford football I'm very proud hopefully then we can move forward those guys those players they know what it takes because they've been there and uh, they've lost the games in the past and uh, they've come through the qualifiers you know, I think the Irish probably need to get behind boxing and support them more because the resources that are we are against the likes of Azerbaijan with all the millions and billions to two at this with the with the oil rich country and, and the US and Russia as well. The resources they have, you know, with 145 million people, the Harris House with four million people, you know, that can compete with them, you know. If we had the resources that these guys have, I think we'd go them all away. We'd be the best team in the world.